0: My husband took a boat out on the lake. He took a a handgun that I didn't even know that we owned, and... Did he leave a note? He did. You were right. There is nothing. Nothing is after you. You're safe now. That you were safe. Safe for one. And then over here we have uh
1: da-da-da!
0: You know that we're paying people to do that, right? You don't have to do it all yourself. a secret.
1: It's our house. Then backwards. What the hell was he doing?
2: everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of Fresh Cuts. My name is Mike, and joining me as always is Mr. Venom. What's up, Venom? How are you?
1: Greetings and salutations, haunted house lovers. Yeah, I'm doing pretty well. Mike, how you doing?
2: I am doing well. Still firmly in um, prep mode for uh, Summer Series Roundtables. It's like even more watching for that than there was uh, the actual hosting
1: year. Yeah, I'm not watching as much because for some reason, a lot of the movies that ended up in the top, it, the, the 30 movies that were left with after the summer series, I would say I saw at least 25 of them first time around. I've only really had a yeah. couple of first time watches, which is nice. So Yeah,
2: and to be honest, like, you know, I'm not going to name any movies just because oh. obviously spoiler reasons, but i think for like the most recent years like two or three of them the top movies were movies that i probably would have agreed with for the most part too and it's like i they're still really fresh in my mind so i'm trying to prioritize stuff earlier in the decade that either i hadn't seen or just haven't seen since mm. you know eight or seven eight years ago so uh we'll see but it it's Coming up, we're, what, just a little over a week before having to submit our list?
1: Uh, yeah, but, I mean, ultimately, for me, this is the easy part. Put, putting them together in a top 30, really, I've never found it all that difficult to do lists. Because uh, I don't know if I've ever said this, but when I do, like, top 10 lists, I go to a 100-point scale instead of our normal 10-point scale that we might use. Not that we really do ratings on our shows, but normally, you know, we do, like, a 1-10 a to 10 scale. When I'm doing a actual list, I do a one to one hundred scale. So I, I want to get meticulous with how I judge these movies. Because if I say like the number three movie is better than the number four movie, I have to have a defense for that. So that's kind of that's kind of how I break it down. But it's obviously a little more convoluted than I think most podcasters would go through. But eh, I'm okay with it.
2: Yeah, I mean, for me, I've never really had. Struggles with a top ten list for me. It's once you get into like the twenty, the thirty, or like some shows will do like a top fifty. To me, that's where it just becomes a almost a chore because it's like, what's really to say? Oh, this is my thirty sixth favorite, as opposed to my thirty seventh. Like sure. once you get that far down on a list, it's like, are you? Is this really definitive? Or I mean, uh-huh. yeah, it, it, it becomes kind of tedious at that point. But uh, you know, at, le- at least for the most part. These are all, like, pretty good, solid movies, even if they're not all, like, my personal tops for each year. So it does help it, you know, that we're drawing from mostly good movies to begin with. Um, All right. Well, joining us also is Don and Ellie. What's up, Don? How are you?
0: Hey, what's going on, man? Yeah. uh, Always glad to be here. Uh, Kind of looking forward to more of this talk just because I figure that's going to be more interesting than what we have to say for the rest of the, <laughs> rest of the show.
2: <laughs> All right, actually, hip I'm, in the hat. <laughs>
0: I've always been more of a list guy anyway. Oh, yeah, I so,
1: love
0: lists. Uh, yeah, um, actually listening to uh, the behind-the-scenes process is kind of a guilty pleasure more than actually listing everything. So, yeah, hmm. um, I was more of that rather than what we have uh, going on for the rest of the show.
1: <laughs> we could just talk about the summer series the rest of the episode. I'm sure Duncan would appreciate the free publicity.
0: Well, I'm not it, so I mean that's probably gonna render me useless.
1: Yeah, I'm sure you've seen the majority of the movies, especially with the uh, the amount of foreign movies in that uh, in our final list of thirty. I I can almost guarantee you've seen most of them.
0: Uh, all I know so far is just um, the only one I've heard to completion is 2010, and <laughs> a lot of those things I don't consider horror at
1: all. No, I hear you. 2010 and 2011 actually both had a lot of, uh, not maybe not a lot, but it had a few movies on our top list that kind of teeter between horror and horror adjacent. We actually had a pretty lengthy discussion about it on 2011 because you could make the argument that three or four of the movies that made the top 12 for that year are really way more thriller drama than horror. But, you know, yeah, it was a pretty cool conversation. I mean,
0: Like the beginning part of the decade, it was kind of really barren.
1: Kind of, yeah. Thrillers, definitely, you know, uh, thrillers kind of took over the first part of the 2010s. It it didn't seem until, at least for me, like around 2013, 2014, that we really started getting the return of visceral, really visceral horror. So regardless, I mean, obviously every year is going to have positive examples of what we're looking for. But, yeah, the, I, I agree with you. The early part of the 2010s was kind of a little bit of a barren wasteland for, you know, true hardcore horror. But, you know, still some great movies to watch nonetheless. Hmm.
0: Yeah.
2: All right. Well, uh, I guess we'll find out soon if tonight's movie uh, is a great movie or not. Um, let's... <laughs> Let's get into it. We are discussing The Night House. So uh, from last week to this episode, plans went accordingly. Sometimes they don't. But uh, yes, this theatrical release from this past Friday, uh, The Night House, a widow begins to uncover her recently deceased husband's disturbing secrets. Ooh. <laughs> All right, Venom, give us your general thoughts on the disturbing secrets of this movie.
1: All right. General thoughts. (laughs) About halfway through this movie, I started to scratch my head and say, wait a minute, I thought Final Destination 6 was supposed to come out next year. But here I am. So go figure. Now, um, this movie... How can I put this? Um, this is another one of those movies that from a technical standpoint, it's a beautiful film. Cinematography is great. Atmosphere and tension is fairly present throughout the film. Uh, good score, really good performances. I think the performance by our lead, Rebecca Hall, was actually really, really well done. I- if I cared at all about Beth as a character, it was because of Rebecca Hall's performance. So I'll give her that much. But ultimately this movie was just a little bit of a drag for me. It is a incredibly slow paced film. We don't really get even a taste of anything remotely horror until we get into the second act. And even then a lot of people might kind of argue that, you know, uh, it really doesn't kind of fit in the sh- uh, A lot of the scenes in that second act were just kind of, you know, misdirection and things like that. So it, there, there's definitely a mystery here to be solved. Um This woman, obviously, who recently lost her husband, is having, you know, odd supernatural events or at least perceived as supernatural occurring in her house. So for the first part of the film, I was on board because I usually like these kind of slow paced uh, ghost stories, especially haunted house films. But once we got into the third act and honestly, I already saw where the ending was coming from. As soon as the woman... In the movie, I mean, without really getting into spoilers, as soon as she told the story about the car crash, I was like, oh, that's it. I got the ending. And it was exactly what it was. And it's like, that's so disappointing because I, I've i said it before. I'll say it again. I don't try to figure out movies as I'm watching them. I'm not trying to figure out where the end is going. I want to go on the ride that the director put me on. But sometimes, um, as with the stylist, um, most recently, we kind of see the ending coming a mile away and we just kind of want to get to it, especially when you're talking about a movie over two hours. It's like, I know where the ending's going. Let's just get to it. Come on. okay. there's no more surprise. Um, so the third, despite the third act having the majority of the quote unquote horror action in this film, it's still a fairly disappointing third act of the ending. Like I said, once you kind of find out what happens, it's more of a sweet, uh, you know, the reveal it's more sweet, like a loving couple that were actually looking out for each other as opposed to something very nefarious, you know, um, Yes, there is a there is still a very obvious antagonist in the film, uh, which we'll get into in the spoiler section. But ultimately, um, this is a middle of the road, probably leaning towards the more positive side, because, like I said, from a technical aspect, um, this movie is beautiful. The very first shot of the film was actually stunning. Like the very first shot shows a little rowboat in the foreground with a beautiful lake in the background. And it was just one of the nicest shots of the film. Uh, but then throughout the film, we we get some really nice shots of the house, um, more shots of the lake, the area surrounding the lake, the opposite side of the lake, things like that. So, I mean, like I said, from a technical aspect, I can't take anything away from this film. It's a beautiful film, very well made. From a storytelling aspect, it's just a lot more been there, done that, uh, you know, maybe not in the exact context um, of how it's used in this film, the whole be there, uh, been there, done that aspect of it. But ultimately, it's not anything we haven't seen before. We've seen it done way better. In way more fun environments and ultimately the film just kind of left me, I don't know, just kind of blah, like it's like, okay, that was an okay movie. But I mean, I, in no way did I feel satisfied that I watched a, a, you know, a really good haunted house movie. Um, even though I mentioned there was good uh, moments of tension and atmosphere, it's really way at the beginning of the film, because once you kind of start to unravel the mystery, it takes away the allure of what we're watching. And then it's just like I said, it's just a race to the ending. Just we all know where it's going. So give it to me. So, yeah, all in all, I'm going to say this is a middle of the road film that's very well made but the the story just leaves me a little flat i wish they would have given me just a little bit more and the movie is already an hour and 50 minutes long so it's not like i'm really asking for more a movie necessarily so much as more story more background on the husband more maybe more about um the woman's childhood and you know what happened earlier on in her life blah 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 so just an underwhelming film that really was marketed very well. I mean, I actually really like the movie poster for this one. Uh, after I got home from the film, I watched the trailer and thought it was pretty well marketed, but I don't know. It just didn't really satisfy me fully. Uh, and, and me being a supernatural horror lover, I, I was definitely looking for more from this film, but ultimately middle of the road, uh, you know, uh, Slightly, maybe slightly positive, depending on what side of the fence you kind of fall on with the story, how you relate to the characters, things like that. So uh, that'll probably do it for uh, general thoughts.
2: All right. Let's go on over to Don. What are your general thoughts on the night house?
0: Well, uh, I don't have much actually to add to that. Then um, i hit the keyword here when he kept on repeating underwhelming, because that's sort of where I come in with this uh much like him uh, i really enjoyed a lot of what was going on in here you know he you know he's right it's really slick it's glossy you know a lot of the technical composition work in here looks good uh, the general storyline and i i like the first half i like a lot of where it's going with this i like a lot of the you know aspects of grief and mental anguish and, you know whether or not the hauntings are real uh I just wish you would have explored actual, you know, explored a lot of whether or not, you know, the hauntings actually were real, because I think that kind of what makes me a little underwhelmed with this. It, a lot of what goes on in the final act, which I think is going to be one of the big topics of discussion between between us, the way he chooses to go with this one, it's familiar, it's cliche. You know, I mean, like Venom said, he guessed it as soon as she goes into that backstory about what happened with the car accident and you know the memory loss and you know, I mean, not memory loss. Um, uh well, you know, I I don't know if I can really say it without spoiling it, but yeah, the second she starts in on that, you know, I started to get hints of where it was going. A lot of what happened in the film, you know, from that point on, it sort of seemed to hint what kind of uh, finish this was going to have and it just it loses a lot of what i was what i was getting into it about in the first act where the the mystery involving you know the strange occurrences in the house the you know the plans that she discovers where she comes up with you know all these dead bodies and how everything's going to tie together you know i like the mystery of what's going on here and you know you combine that with you know all of these you know slick mainstream professional start shots and writing and stuff like that the first act of this is really enjoyable and it really kind of gets me into it but then it just it kind of peters out and it it just falls apart in the third act and then it's i don't want to say anymore i'm gonna spoil mm-hmm. it so yeah um yeah he's right you know well shot you know everything looks you know crisp and proper and you know it's got that studio touch to it but yeah uh, just wasn't feeling
2: it okay all right well then allow me to be the opposition in this uh, i really liked it um i can't really disagree necessarily with your guys' criticisms i i think if there's a major criticism of this which isn't really a criticism i guess is a lot of what this movie was doing, a lot of what it had to say, has kind of become a trend in the recent years, just with how they're kind of playing with, like, the mental aspect of it. Obviously, there's issues of depression, um, trauma involved, which kind of skews what you're seeing, you know, h- how much is of this is actually happening, as opposed to how much is it her... Um, Not being able to compartmentalize, you know, events that have gone on in her life. Uh, And I think, you know, if I put this, why I like this movie, if I put it next to other recent movies that have done it or done a similar thing, I think most of those would be superior movies. So in that sense, I get why it could come off as underwhelming. But if I try to isolate this movie out on itself, not considering. You know, it's been done so much lately. I still had a really good time with it. I, I liked the story that they built around. I thought Rebecca Hall was really good. Uh, just the range of emotions in the character that she had to play. Um, I thought she depicted someone going through that trauma and not being able to deal with it really well. Um, there, there actually was. Uh, I guess you would call it a reveal. Um, that happened somewhere in the second act, I believe, that actually made me think I knew where it was going, but then I mean, you kind of mentioned that it, it was more, ended <laughs> up that the character was doing, like, a good thing instead of uh-huh. what they were almost willing to And I think that was kind of different than what we usually get, because usually once something's revealed as, like, a oh possible nefarious, it's, like, it keeps going down that road until, like, oh, yeah, It's revealing that they were totally um, just a scumbag or something like that. But I think this went the opposite way. But they didn't Um, even do a
1: good, in my opinion anyway, I didn't think they did a really good job of setting up that red herring. Like I, I felt like they could have done a lot more with that original, you know, what we thought the husband was actually doing. Instead, we get like a two minute scene in a unfinished house out in the woods that basically explains everything. And I just would have liked to have seen that flesh out more because that's where I feel the true horror of the film lied. Mm -hmm. It wasn't with the wife. It was with the husband and the things that he was willing to do to, you know, to get to his end. So, you know, I'm not disagreeing with you necessarily. I'm just saying that I would have liked to have seen it. Especially coming from a guy, you know, uh, David Bruckner, who directed, uh, what was his last movie? Uh, um, the Invitation? No, The Initiation? What the hell was the name? The Ritual. The Ritual, mm-hmm. which we loved. We all kind of famously loved The Ritual. and It was even on uh, at least a couple of our top ten lists for that year. So, yeah, um, maybe I expected a little bit too much. Uh, you know, I try not to do that, but... I, I just I feel like they could have done a little bit more with getting us to believe that the husband was a piece of garbage, and instead they just kind of planted the idea, but didn't really water it. I yeah, guess would be I, my best analogy.
2: I do have I do question the one major action he took, which I won't say <laughs> yet, yeah, we'll and go. why he thinks that would have protected her. Because maybe I you know I maybe I missed some dialogue or something in there that explains why he thinks doing what he did, um, what he ultimately ended up doing, uh-huh, not uh-huh. To all the other stuff, but sure. why he feels that would have like protected her. Um, which I can't say yet, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we'll get because that. ultimately that's why he did what he did in the end. Um, but you know, without getting into too much, I'll, you know, I'll just say I, I did like it and I, I'd like um, kind of what it – the way this ends, it's very similar to a movie, and I'll mention the movie when, once we get to spoilers, but just it, it kind of ends ambiguously a little bit to me. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. I'll, yeah, I was like I'll, I'll explain it if I have to, but it sounds like you kind of already get what I'm saying with that. Um yeah, ultimately I think it's like the main yeah, I, I like the journey we went on. I I do definitely think there the elements of the story could have been a little tighter, a little better fleshed out. Um But ultimately I still had a fun time with it. I I, I thought the the few times that we did get scares, one of them did get me. Um there's you know, there's a specific specific scene I'll bring up later that got me. But uh yeah, I yeah I'll say I I like I did like this one a lot. Obviously more than you guys, but um, we can get more into it in spoilers.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I said, I, I definitely don't want to understate how well made the film is. I mean, yes, obviously I tend to concentrate on the more negative aspects of the film, especially one that looks this nice. But ultimately, I didn't hate the movie by any stretch of the imagination. I didn't even dislike the movie, like. I I was on board for at least half of it, for at least the first half. And like I said, once I kind of, you know, put two and two together and saw where the movie was going, it just felt like I would have loved if they would have subverted that expectation, if they would have gone with a different ending um, just because I saw that one coming. And that's unfortunate. But um, ultimately, yeah, not a bad film. I would still recommend it to supernatural horror fans, you know, um, fans of ghost stories, haunted house stories, things like that um redemption stories too in a lot of ways but ultimately for like a hardcore visceral horror fan i i it's not anything that i'm going to recommend honestly it's a really pretty movie but i don't think you're going to get it at least most standard you know north american horror fans i don't think are going to get a whole lot out of the film um Obviously, if they're more fans of like, you know, thrillers, dramas, especially really good acting, because like I said, Mike already said it. I, I said it earlier. Rebecca Hall really is the shining star of this film. I mean, she she makes the journey worth going on, even though I'm not a big fan of the destination. I was still on board for the majority of the journey. So. You know, um, we'll get into more detail here in a little bit. But, yeah, I I definitely don't want to make it sound like it's a bad film or that I hated it, anything like that. It just was, I mean, I've said it six times probably by now, and I'll say it again, just a little underwhelming, that's all. I
2: I thought the friend was, like, a good character, too. In these types of movies, I'm always, like, waiting for, like, another shoe to drop on, like, oh, like, the friend was secretly involved, and that's why she's telling her to back off of like this and a lot. So I was like waiting. I was like, "Hmm, is something going on there?" But really the friend just turned out to be like actual good friend trying to help her.
1: Absolutely deal with yeah. everything. Um, was I the only one thinking the friend should have been played by Brie Grant? <laughs> Like, the whole time, I'm like, this role is tailor-made for her. She even played this exact character in The Stylist earlier this year. I'm thinking, how is she not in this movie? But there it is. (laughs) Um, But no, yeah, I like The Friend, too. I'm a little iffy on the neighbor, Mel, the older guy, because he really... He's really only there to give us one piece of information later in the film. That's literally his only reason to be in the film. He doesn't have any uh anything to do with the ending he doesn't have anything to do with the major plot points he just he we intru- they introduce him early as the neighbor obviously he you know he cares about um Beth you know she just lost her husband they were all really good friends, neighbors on the lake blah 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 but as I'm watching the movie, I'm just like, why is this character here and then three quarters of the way through the film, he gives us that one plot point uh about the husband the one little piece of information that kind of Sets Beth off into another part of her journey, and I'm like, that's the only reason this guy's in here? That's too bad. He should have gotten more to do, and that's why I was saying that I would have liked to have seen the story fleshed out more. Take out all the Mel stuff, you know? I mean, if you want to put him in one scene where maybe she goes to visit him and then he gives her that plot point that I'm talking about, cool. But all the early scenes with him... They could have replaced that with more backstory on the husband, um, you know, maybe their marriage, you know, when they were still uh, – when the husband was still alive, blah, blah, blah. Um, I just thought that there were better parts of the story to be told. That's all. Well, not
2: not to mention, like, what he tells her when he tells her. Like, did he not think that was going to have the complete opposite mm-hmm. effect on what he was hoping for? That, no. I mean, that was my major issue with that character because <laughs> up until then – I was like okay fine you kind of have like the neighbor who you know he he's supportive and all that and he'll pop up whenever but uh as he's like telling her what he tells her I'm just like well you do realize by even mentioning this at all and planting it feels like you're planting a seed for her to almost continue the you know the solving of the puzzle which I thought is the exact opposite of what you want her to do but
1: that's valid. Yeah. I mean, he he really he could have kept that little piece of information. Ultimately, the husband's dead. The knowledge of that information isn't going to change much uh, about the, the current story at all. Obviously, it, and like you said, it's going to send her uh, continuing down her little you know um, sleuth path to try to figure out what exactly her husband was up to. Mm-hmm. When honestly, I, I think she should have just dropped it the whole time cuz ultimately once the movie is over and she kind of accepts uh kind of her lot in life uh it, it's i i i'm sitting in my seat like why did i just sit here for the last 2 hours you know if she's going to make the decision at the end of the movie that she made it's like really you put me you brought me on this journey for her to just blank <laughs> so we'll get into it in the spoiler section but yeah I don't know, not not a big fan of this ending. Again, an underwhelming ending for an underwhelming film.
2: <laughs> All right, well, let's see if our spoiler section will be underwhelming then, so...
1: Uh... <laughs> I mean... Um... I don't know how you want to go about this for spoilers today. Um, for me, there's really not a whole lot of talk about. We could probably do the synopsis of this film in like five to ten minutes. There's not really a whole lot going on. With, obviously with some, you know, little scenes of hauntings and things like that. And of course the wife, you know, doing her little investigation, blah, blah, blah. But basically, you know, we've already talked about Beth. She's our main character um, before the movie starts. In fact, the movie opens with the funeral of her husband. Um, So she obviously recently lost her husband. We don't know why or how uh, early on, but throughout conversations and different interactions that she has with other people in the film, we find out that her husband killed himself, Uh, that he actually uh, literally got butt naked, took the robo out to the middle of the lake and basically put uh, a handgun in his mouth and pulled the trigger. And she is obviously now once she gets that or she 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 knows that he did that the whole time. We as the audience don't know that he committed suicide the whole time, but it seems like more and more, um, the more she thinks about it and the more she starts to uncover about activities that her husband was having, it just kind of makes a light bulb go off in her head and she wants to keep going and. You know, uh, it, it's a story we've seen before, you know, maybe with uh, with a few tweaks here and there, but nothing too major. So, like I said, she finds out uh, that he's been first. She finds pictures of other women on his phone, women that look de- deceptively like her. Um, she is for anybody who hasn't seen the film. Beth is a tall, thin, pretty brunette woman. And all the pictures of different women that the that she's finding on her husband's phone and uh, laptop are all women that are again thin, good-looking, brunette, long brunette hair, uh and they all vaguely look like her to the point where she, when she finds the first picture people are trying to convince her that it's her, but she knows that it's not her because she doesn't own the shirt that the person in the picture is wearing. But even as the audience as we're watching, we're looking at the picture and it's like that looks just like you. I don't you know, we don't see the difference, but obviously You know that's that's kind of the uh little bit of doubt that's getting planted in our head early on as she finds out more information blah 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 uh we find out that that her husband's actually every now and again will see some of these women uh to the point where she starts to believe that she maybe was being cheated on that's kind of her first suspicion i think that's most women's first suspicion when they find pictures like that and things like that um And obviously, peppered throughout, we get different scenes in the house where, like, the the house, uh, the stereo in the house will turn on by itself in the middle of the night. She'll think she sees a shadow character, uh, a shadow person, like, outside her bedroom window. At one point, she actually looks out her bedroom window and thinks that she sees the ghost of her husband standing in the middle of the lake, you know, doing a Jesus thing, walking on water. And he's butt naked but he doesn't have a gunshot wound in his head. He just kind of looks back at her and continues walking out to the lake. So, like I said, little hallucinatory scenes here and there that kind of, you know, make her question her own sanity. Is this really happening? Am I just going crazy from grief? Blah, blah, blah. Uh, Mike mentioned that this was a, a pretty good study on grief. Um i'm gonna say the Baba Duke blows this away as far as uh looking at a woman dealing with grief now obviously in the Baba Duke, that woman also had a child an absolute little satan that she had to deal with you know as a single mom so it added that extra bit to it but as, and Baba a, Duke is a far worse film than this well that's your opinion again <laughs> I, i'm gonna say the opposite but um for whatever it's worth, like I said, I still say the, the Baba Duke is just a, a better look at a woman dealing with grief. I'll, I'll uh, give you that. I'll
0: yeah, give you yeah.
1: that. <laughs> so, um, like I said, our, our hero, Beth, you know, kind of goes along her merry way. Um, one night, she's just kind of hanging out and she looks across the lake and she notices a house with lights on. Um, She was unaware that there was a house there. She she's like, there's not supposed to be a house there. But there she's looking right at it. There's a house that looks eerily similar to her house and the lights are on. So, you know, she asks her neighbor Mel about it. And Mel, you can tell. Um, he's kind of trying to steer her away from that area. He's like, there's no houses over there. You shouldn't even walk over there because, you know, it's not really safe. You're by yourself in the woods. You know, he, he's very obviously trying to keep her away from that part of the ho- uh, the lake. Um, but one day, the next morning, she goes out to that part of the lake to see if she can find the house. And she cannot. Uh, there's no house there. there, you know, where she saw the lights uh but then she continues her walk and then she does end up finding what looks like a shack at first but as she approaches it it you can tell that it's an unfinished house it looks like somebody was building a house and it is unfinished uh she walks into the house uh to, to you know like i said the unfinished house and she finds this statue of a woman bound all, all four of her limbs are bound behind her back and she has spikes going through various parts of her body i'm pretty sure they showed it in the trailer so you probably know what i'm talking about um she tries to get some information on the statue with no real luck no one seems to really know what it is she then on a whim one evening goes back to that shack and um you know she's basically screaming at whoever Basically saying, what do you want? I'm right here. Blah, blah, blah. You know, doing the old classic confrontation of a spirit and um, her foot goes through a floorboard in the shack. So I I think at this point we kind of see where we're going. Uh, She has exposed a crawl space that she didn't know about. Uh, She pulls out the broken boards, looks down and sees a plethora of bodies. Yes, uh, probably. I don't know four to six bodies all wrapped in plastic twin peak style and you know, just all under there. And so obviously, you know, at that point, we start to think, Oh shit, her husband was a serial killer and that, that she's just now realizing it and that she's maybe putting, putting together that, Oh, he only killed pretty brunettes. Was he going to kill me? And maybe that's why he offed himself to avoid doing what he thought he couldn't avoid doing. Who knows? Um, so, yeah, we get that reveal. So weirdly, and, and this is one of those things that really irks me, uh, she does not call the police. <laughs> she just leaves the shack and goes back and confronts Mel. Uh, she goes to Mel's house and confronts him about the shack, and that's when Mel, and this is the scene I'm talking about, where Mel basically is just there to give us a couple of little points of information. A, he knew That Owen was building a house out on that part of the lake, but Owen had asked him not to say anything to anyone, maybe under the guise of it was going to be a surprise for his wife, we don't know. And then the other piece of information that we get is that Mel actually saw Owen, uh, that's Beth's husband, uh, with another woman walking around that area. So now, you know, again, the gears are turning. Beth's trying to figure out what exactly is going on. And then at this point, in this same conversation with Mel, we find out about a car accident that she had. She actually had a car accident when she was younger. I forget exactly when, if she was a child or if it was, you know, just, you know, a few years ago as an adult. But basically, she had a car accident, very severe accident where she actually died. Her heart stopped. For four minutes, and then she was able to be revived at this point. I think most hardcore horror fans know where we're going with this. Um, She, after telling this story to Mel, you know, Mel's like, oh, I had no idea. You know, is everything all right? Are you okay physically? Obviously, everything's cool. This is, you know, years past. Um, But then... She finds what she finds like a journal or something, right? Like a book where Owen was writing down a bunch of stuff. Not like a diary, but
0: yeah, I I thought it was more of like just like a random notebook that he
1: just had and just started scribbling stuff in there. Yeah, yeah, right. So Uh, yeah. Yeah, I forgot to mention Owen was an architect, so it does make sense that he would have sketchbooks around. So, yeah, uh, probably a sketchbook that had uh, it looked like floor plans. It actually she actually found uh, a foldout that had the floor plans of her house and then the floor plans of another house. That was the exact same as hers, but everything was flipped to the opposite way. So it was almost like he was, um, you know, just trying to make a copy of the house. You know, at this point, we don't really know why. Um, and she ends up throughout the film, she ends up talking to one of the girls, um, who her husband had looks like had planned on killing. Uh, they actually, this is the girl that Mel saw Owen with on that day. And apparently maybe because Mel saw them or wh- whatever other reason, he ended up getting uh kind of chicken and decided not to kill her. Like uh, the, the story that the girl tells, um, is that they started kissing and that she was willing to sleep with him. But then suddenly he started to choke her. And then just as quickly as he started to choke her, he stopped and started crying and basically just started saying, I can't do this, I can't do this, and took the girl back home. Uh, You know, nothing happened. The girl basically claims uh, to the wife, to Beth, that they never did anything. We, You know, I didn't sleep with them, blah, blah, blah. And she tells him the whole story of what happened that night. So now we're starting to put the pieces together, and I think at this point it's probably okay to just come out with it and say that the entity that Beth thought was following her or haunting her, at one point in the film she even thought it was her husband, like it was her husband's ghost or whatever. Um, that's actually kind of a cool gag that they do in the movie where she's grabbed from behind with, uh, by an invisible force. And it actually speaks to her. And she actually says, is this Owen? Are you Owen? Like, Because she thinks that she's in a loving embrace. But then we hear a voice go, I'm not Owen. And instantly the loving embrace goes to like, uh, you know, a, a bear hug type attack where something slams her, you know, throughout the bathroom, blah, blah, blah. So basically we start to realize that the the nothing, as she calls it, that's been following her since this accident is death. Yes, my friends, when I said Final Destination 6 earlier, I fucking meant it. Uh, yes, this, this woman died, or, or should I say was supposed to die uh, during that car accident. She did die for four minutes. Like I said, her heart stopped. And uh, apparently, just like with the Final Destination movies, death doesn't like when someone escapes his grasp. So uh, here we are with this uh spirit basically going after Beth, and then we find out the true uh reason for what the husband was doing. The husband somehow was also being spoken to by death, by this entity. Basically, Death was whispering in his ear, taker, taker, her, you know, trying to convince him to kill his wife. Apparently, once he realized what was happening and he realized that death was after his wife because she escaped that car accident, he starts killing women that look like his wife in the hopes that it will trick death. And apparently it does trick him uh, for a short time. Obviously, you're not going to trick death, you know, in the long term, Um, but he's able to basically keep the nothing, if you will, or death away from her so that it's not constantly, you know, causing her grief in her life. He's basically acting as a buffer for this spirit that wants to kill her. Uh, so like I said, yeah, we find out that uh, he's been killing these women in the hopes to trick death. Apparently with the bookstore uh, girl, the girl from the bookstore, I guess he finally it just couldn't do it anymore, just decided that's it, I'm done. I can't continue killing these women just to save my wife for a short amount of time. And he ends up uh, killing himself. He leaves a very cryptic um, suicide note that basically just says that he kind of agrees with Beth, that he knows that nothing is after her and that hopefully um, with his suicide, that hopefully it would leave her alone. Why the hell he thought this is beyond me, but there it is. Uh, Maybe it was just the grief from having killed all these innocent women in the hopes of protecting his wife and then realizing the plan wasn't working and, you know, all these innocent people are dying. So obviously that's going to hang heavy on anyone's soul. So that's our big reveal folks. It was final destination 5.5. And uh, basically our movie ends with a scene of Beth kind of contemplating suicide on her own right. She, she understands now, she she realizes that this thing is after her and will never leave her alone until she is gone. So she takes the same gun that her husband uh killed himself with and she does the exact same thing the husband did. She jumps into the rowboat, she rows, she doesn't quite go out to the middle like the husband did, but she rows out like a few yards out into the water. And she's just kind of sitting there, and basically what we're seeing as the audience is we're seeing her actually having a conversation with her husband, um, but it's not her husband. This is just the image, this is the visage that Death has decided to engage her with, I guess, to keep her, you know, calm or whatever. But yeah, so Death is speaking to her as her husband Owen. Um, At this exact moment, her best friend Claire and the neighbor Mel see her out in the water. Um, You know, she's she's obviously holding something in her hand and she's looking down like she's very, very depressed. Uh, Claire, I think, is the first one to make the realization of what she is about to do. And she basically jumps out uh, into the water, swims out to the boat, and she is able to stop Beth. Uh, from killing herself. In fact, it kind of looked like Beth made the decision not to kill herself just as her friend was arriving at the boat, just as she was swimming out there. And then the movie kind of ends with um, uh, a shot of our three, you know, Beth, Claire, and Mel, all at the beach. Uh, They're all comforting uh, uh, Beth and then beth look is looking out at the boat the rowboat which is still out in the water she's looking out at it mel looks at her and says what are you looking at there's nothing there and then suddenly we see a dark shape a very vague dark shape materialize on the back bench of the rowboat where the 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 husband you know the, the image of the husband was sitting and after mel says that what are you looking at there's nothing there she just says i know and the movie ends, I'm assuming this is Beth just kind of coming to terms with the fact that, you know, this thing it's is just going to get the Babadook ending. What's that?
2: It's the Babadook ending, basically.
1: Ish. I mean, but with the Babadook, it's very I, obvious that... Because I don't think this thing was representing her guilt. I think this thing was like a legit entity that was... Like, with the Duke, it was very obvious that it was all in her head. This was all her... Personal way of manifesting her grief and dealing with her uh, guilt. Whereas here, I felt like death was actually an entity. It was actually something out well, You know what I mean?
2: I mean that that would lead to the question of whether this, this was all like um, conjured up by her, or whether this was actually happening. And I mean that kind of opens up to the wider discussion because to me the ending almost kind of suggests the same thing as Duke ending was, was like, it's something that's always going to be there. You're never going to totally get rid of it, but you need to learn how to deal with it. If you take the approach of the night house was really just um, trauma and depression and all that, that was basically bringing her down because her husband committed suicide. And the fact or and not the fact, but the, and what really ha what was really going on or the interpretation of what was going on was he killed himself and, they, and she really doesn't know why. And nobody a hundred percent knows why. And mm-hmm. her kind of, you know, trying to reach cause she, you could take, I guess you could take everyone's advice around her, you know, cause everyone's basically telling her stop cause you're not helping yeah. anything by doing this. And in a sense, I mean, in one way, you could say, okay, I, I think the neighbor, the whole neighbor thing, kind of muddies it up a little bit. But I think, you know, the friend, if she, if she, the friend, truly trying to be a friend, was like, it's not going to change anything, regardless of what you find out. You know, yeah. you're gonna, you're probably gonna make the situation worse by continuing to look at this. If she basically would have saw that first picture on the phone and just written it off. Then, Well one we don't have the rest of the movie So you can't totally yeah. do that But two just for her own mental well being It's like just let You know it sucks that he passed But let him be passed as the husband You loved or knew or thought you knew Or whatever and just leave it at that Because whatever you're trying to uncover Whether it's legitimate or not It's just sending you further down A rabbit hole of depression and guilt And the end with the silhouette Of the figure in the boat, to me, was kind of representing the same thing. Not a hundred percent the same, but it was basically saying whatever it is out there that's messing you up emotionally, it's never going to hundred percent go away. It's something you have to deal with because this trauma that happened—you know, your husband killing yourself and leaving you in this state—that's always going to be something that happened in your life that caused this, and you're just gonna you're gonna have to find a way to not let it affect your entire life
1: i mean i, I mean have that's problems. just
2: one way to interpret it
1: it is it is one way to interpret it and i'm not going to say you're wrong though i will say i have problems with it because if you're going to tell me that she that this is all in her head that means that she transferred her psychosis over to her husband because don't forget her husband killed about a half dozen women uh after hearing these voices so
2: well oh, and, uh, we we think so, according uh, to what...
1: It's pretty obvious that it, To what we
2: were seeing he, through her eyes. I, I mean, we never, he, we never we never no, literally saw him kill anyone. Everything was visions through her head. So,
0: it's, so still, pretty, it's still pretty obvious that he is because the one... the
2: one, that, one the, the one girl that we actually talked to, he didn't kill. Right. So, the, the only 100% literal thi- like... If... So she talked to the one girl, and see, I feel like this movie purposely what it does it it teeters you right up to a hundred percent conclusion without fully doing it because that's what brings on like discussions like ours where you can go either way. To me, I'm not even a hundred like I'm not even a hundred percent trying to say my, like my interpretation is even correct. I'm just saying that I I think the movie tries to leave it ambiguous like that because the only girl she actually contacted well he didn't kill whatever he was doing with her he did stop now why did he why did he stop and the only murdering that we actually take place in scene is when she's having like her visions and all this mm-hmm. stuff we never actually literally saw our murder take place the bodies in the house that she supposedly discovers well, nothing really comes of that afterwards. I mean, our like our authority, she's not calling the cops about it. It's like I would have liked to. I feel like we could have seen something more definitive if we wanted to say a hundred percent that it all actually happened. But by the same account, I'm not saying it didn't. I'm just saying I think the movie tries to teeter on like it could be either way. That's that's all I'm mm-hmm. saying.
1: I just don't feel like the movie gave us enough clues that this was a personal psychosis that, you know, that she was experiencing. I mean, we we don't get any scene of her talking to her husband in life like like, you know, she she never she claims to have never told her husband about this entity. But apparently the husband knew about it because he, you know, in, in his journal or whatever he said I heard this or, or no it wasn't in the journal it was actually the spirit of Eric of er, of, er, of Owen excuse me and I will fully admit that since it's not actually Owen since it's actually death looking like Owen it could very easily be lying to her um, so you know I, I don't want to take away any...
2: it's like saying go to the door and boat and all that stuff
1: no, no 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 I mean the actual conversation on the boat when they're talking to each other when Eric uh, uh... or when Owen I keep saying Eric when Owen tells the story of what happened Mm -hmm. Well, it's not actually Owen, I know But, you know, it's a spirit or whatever Like I said, it's probably It's more than likely this entity This nothing that's after her Just making himself look like Aaron Because he even says, I spoke to Aaron I whispered uh, into Owen's ear I tried to get him to kill you many times And we even see the flashback scene Where Owen does put his hands around her neck For a brief time But she's asleep, so she doesn't realize that, you know, she was seconds away from being murdered by her husband. Um, You know, like I said, I don't want to take away or try to take away any validity of what you're saying. I just honestly didn't see it that way. Um, The Babadook felt like a very obvious metaphor for grief. You know, the Babadook didn't actually exist. There was no monster in her basement. This was her manifestation of grief and how she's dealing with the guilt of losing her husband. Here, this felt physical. This didn't feel completely psychological to me. Yes, there's elements of it there. Don't get me wrong. But it's just with all the stuff that we saw, all the backstory that the quote-unquote Owen ghost was telling us, it just – it felt all legitimate to me anyway. And it just felt like, yeah, these people are dead. Now, obviously, there's a lot more they could have done with this movie. This is what I was talking about where I wish we could have gotten some backstory and maybe even set up – that her husband was a serial killer. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I thought they were going to go for. Try to that's make her thought, think. Too, yeah. I, that's what I was, I mean, I, I, I would be very okay with that. If it turned out. I, I, was, I thought the, I thought the
2: road they were going down was just that she was going to discover that. Holy shit. I was married to some secret life, serial killer. Sure, and but like, I mean, that doesn't give us much of an
1: exciting down. ending. Ultimately, if there's, you know, the husband's already dead. So what's the, where's the confrontation, you know, where's the big finale. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I understand why they didn't go that route, but I still felt like they should have hit that red herring harder. They should have maybe even showed us more scenes of the husband killing these women and maybe even show us one where he maybe even enjoyed it. Um, Just to kind of put that um, shadow of doubt in our head that, oh, Um, this, you know, maybe he killed himself because he couldn't fight his desire. You know, maybe he was like Dexter where you can't fight the dark passenger. You have to give into it every now and then. And this was just the husband's way of keeping his wife safe. Um, you know, like I said, that's one way they could have gone with it. Um, I may have been a little bit more satisfied with that ending than with what we got with our final destination esque ending, but, um, I don't know. It's just I I don't see anything in the film that says to me this is in her head. Uh, I wish I did. I wish I saw what you saw because maybe I would have enjoyed the movie more. But as I'm watching the movie, it's like there's not really any clues that this is in her head. Everything seems to actually be happening. Obviously, she's alone most of the movie, so this could be an unreliable narrator situation. I totally am open to that. But just – I'm just saying what I took away from it is it felt like it all happened and that we were being, you know, basically told uh, about actual events and not just this spirit fucking with her or trying to get her to think differently about her potentially serial killer husband. Um, I don't know. I mean, yeah, this is a movie that definitely I think people could derive different endings and, you know, what they actually think Uh, the spirit represented or, you know, it was this all in her head. And I'm never going to say that anybody's wrong. I'm just going to, you know, point out what I took from it. And I think Don uh, kind of said the same thing that he kind of agrees. Um, So, you know, to each his own, obviously. But, you know, maybe if I would have seen what Mike saw, I would have liked the movie a little bit better. (laughs) I
2: mean, it's definitely a very extreme length to like protect yeah. i mean i i understand it's your wife and you love her and you're like you know i guess i would die for her but i'm like if and i mean maybe that's to drive home the point of why he ultimately committed suicide because he's like i can't keep doing this but even the fact that he started doing it in the first vlog like, i'm like yeah that is pretty damn extreme length to absolutely you know i'm gonna start murdering these girls and then like once it doesn't work the first time, it's like, well, why did you even keep doing it? Cause but it, it does
1: <laughs> That's the thing. It does work for a short time. Death even says um, he tried to trick me and it worked for a short time. So, I mean, I don't know how long he was able to delay uh, death getting to, to his wife by killing these women. I don't know if it was days, weeks, months. Um, they've been living at that house. Well, I think they mentioned like 10 years they've been at that house. Uh, so you know lord knows how long he's been doing this blah 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 i don't know well it's definitely a movie uh, that has well, a lot of you would
2: have you would have thought it worked after the first time but then once you realize oh it's a temporary fix yeah then right then and there you know yeah. you're gonna have to keep murdering and that's at the point where it's like okay uh and i also don't understand like once so i guess the way we're supposed to interpret is death got to the husband and kind of like was telling him what was up and i'm like at some point i wonder if like the husband would have been better off like telling the wife like oh you were right now we together we need to come up with some strategy because it's like almost keeping her in the dark about it seemed to like make it worse well i
1: don't think she Uh was even aware either i mean she never mentions that she told the husband about any kind of thing following her around throughout her life or haunting her houses or whatever the case may be. I, I think she may have honestly been unaware. Um, I don't know. I, <laughs> honestly. I think the more, the way he keeps on with
0: killing the other girls, to me, it seems more of an idea of trying to buy time for a more permanent solution. I think. hmm. That's what he's planning on. The idea that, okay, you know, if it tricks or, if it tricks death for a s- certain amount of time, we can find a way, I, you know, I have some time to figure out a more permanent solution. Yeah. I think that's what the ex- what the secondary house is supposed to be. I think that's sort of where... Oh, definitely, yeah. Yeah, I think that's sort of where, I, that's why I think he has, what the second house is supposed to be is supposed to be the start to a more permanent solution, but he did get to it in time. Yeah.
2: Okay, now, here's the other question. Is... Are we to believe that this is like a final destination situation where the reason death is after her specifically is because she supposedly, quote unquote, cheated death by being dead? Or is it just because the death spirit or whatever, like, was obsessed with her? Because I was kind of confused on what exactly was the purpose of death, Uh, like, insistent on coming after her. Because they they never really explained.
1: And yeah. you're right. They do not explain it. I, I think that's us as horror film watchers putting pieces together. Um, they don't ever specifically say, oh, he's after you, you know, because you survived this accident. Or I don't think she comes up with that realization, though. I think she maybe does later in the film, but just doesn't vocalize it to anyone or even herself or the audience for that matter. Um, yeah, again, it's it's up for so, so much interpretation. I, I at least I didn't see anything in the film that would lead me to believe that she told her husband about this dark entity that's kind of following her throughout her life. Like uh, it almost seems like it, like I said, it almost seems like she's not aware. But, you know, well, who knows?
2: do you remember how, when when did she say in her life that car accident happened? It was
1: uh, it was in the scene when Mel tells her that he saw Owen with another woman. It was in Mel's kitchen, remember, or dining room, whatever.
2: No, I mean like what when in her life the actual the actual car accident Well that's
1: was. what I said earlier. I don't remember. I don't re- I don't know if she said she was a child, a teenager, in college. Yeah, we have no yeah, idea. It, she may that's have been. The other I thing. never might have been a throwaway line or something. Yeah, yeah I didn't uh, think it to keep track of myself be.
2: either. It mm. ha- it has to be throwaway or they accidentally didn't state that maybe It happened when she was married because because my other thing is like if it happened when she was a kid, how did death not already get her? You know, like
1: at least I don't think it was when she was a kid. I I don't remember if she mentioned if she was driving or not. Um, Again, she doesn't really get into too much detail or if she did, it was so forgettable that all three of us forgot it. Um, But, yeah, I think these are all just kind of dots that we all connected on our own. We didn't get actual like pinpoint facts like, yes, she got into a car accident at 17. And ever since then, she's felt like she's had some dark entity following her. Like we didn't get any of that information. We got the information about the car accident. And like I said, when she tells um, Mel or it was either Mel or Claire about how her heart stopped for four minutes, it's like, oh, there it is. You know, it's like instantly, you know all I could see at that point was final destination. It's like, ah, she escaped death. Okay. I don't think they ever actually say that. I don't think anybody even implies it. I think it's more us just kind of making that assumption because she, uh, again, she never mentions having this, um, nothing following her all her life, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, there, there's just a lot of information that's left ambiguous here. And I, I think, I think that's kind of where we're getting all these different, um, destinations because, we're all filling in the blanks that the director left for us, and some of us might be filling in the blanks a little bit differently, so we end up with a different um, uh, finale, if you will. So, mm-hmm. yeah, th- there's just too many holes in this to really have a complete story. It- it's going to be all up to interpretation. Like I said, I, a bunch of people could watch this and not see Final Destination at all, and just be yeah. like, "Oh, that was such an original, you know, story." You know, blah 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 blah, and that's fine. But it's just, you know. That was the first thing I thought of when she was talking about that, especially when she said her heart stopped for four minutes. I'm like, ah, there it is.
2: Yeah, and I mean the other the other way I was thinking about the ending because you know first she looks and you know the dark figures there, but then it pans back and it's gone. Um, the other way I interpret it is like okay, like death or the the entity death, I guess. Uh-huh. It might not. It might not be actively coming after you anymore, but it's still like it's still inevitable in the end anyway. Because it'll be. It's almost like okay, I'm not gonna get you anymore, but. Uh, everybody's time is going to be up eventually. So I'll just chill and kind of like wait for the inevitable to happen.
1: Yeah. That I was mean, that it, would be something weird too, because it's like your death, don't you have other people that you need to welcome to the afterlife? Why are you fixated on this one woman? Cause she survived an accident, you know? Well, it's, well it's- and that's the other
2: thing. It's like without the husband's protect, like without his act of protection, if death really wants to come after her now, what's how, is, how would she prevent it now? Right. Because mm-hmm. she, I mean there's no one actively protect. i don't even know if she i guess she looked at those books so she can and like how he marked uh marked them up to like show different methods that he sure. was tricking
1: well i think death
2: so she could try to replicate that but other otherwise it's like well, if it's still after you what what are you gonna do now
1: i think to to that point i think I don't think death could directly kill her. I think the only thing that he could do was either get someone else to kill her or get her to kill herself. Because he never actively, like he grabs her in that one scene in the bathroom, but I don't. It doesn't. It it seems like he could have killed her right then and there if he really wanted to. If if Death really wanted to, he could have killed her right then and there. I got a funny feeling that Death just isn't allowed to. He can't just go and take people that he wants. Uh, In this case, you know, he feels like he was cheated, so he's trying to convince people around her to kill her. And then later in the film, when he is in the guise of Owen, trying to get her to kill herself kind of like his house remember how in his house that witch couldn't attack the dude directly he had to get his wife to attack him with a knife mm-hmm.
0: i think it's kind
1: of along the same things again i'm i'm putting words into the director's mouth i could be way off and completely wrong again it's just kind of how i looked at it because ultimately you know if death could do it if death could take her at any point why didn't he or she <laughs>
0: Yeah, that was kind yeah. of how I was thinking too. That yeah. I mean, the usual thing with with you know ghosts and spirits is that they can't physically interact with the with you know the human world. We have to you know use Ouija boards or other kind of objects to access mediums, but for them to interact with us, uh-huh. so that's sort of like you know it prevents them from being able to touch us whenever they want to. Exactly. Yeah. that's what
2: I was. Thinking. Well, and and traditionally, like obviously, generally speaking, because I'm sure we could dig. Dict- dig something up to the contrary but traditionally the character of death or the entity of death isn't really what kills you it's just there when you die to kind of take you to Mm -hmm. the next stage of whatever but death isn't the one actively murdering people or you know killing them whatever
1: yeah exactly Um, i mean like i said that's why we as horror fans i think we take that away from it because just like in the final destination movies, death can't directly kill you. He can cause things around you to go awry that end up killing you like the tanning bed or the, you know, whatever else, the the, the car accident, the racetrack, blah, blah, blah. But he can't directly just say, okay, I'm taking you and you're mine, you know, because it's one of those things where there'll always be that question. If you could have done that the whole time, why the hell didn't you? Why'd you make me sit through a two hour movie just to let her go anyway? That's what I was saying about the ending. It's like, we sat through that ending and ultimately all she does is just decide, OK, fuck it. I'm not going to fight it anymore. Um, you know, so either I have to deal to, you know, I have to figure out a way to survive this thing or I'm going to have to live alone in the woods so that he can't <laughs> talk anyone into trying to kill me. Uh, you know, multiple interpretations again, but yeah. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I, I think, too, I, I think what kind of sets up or what set up my interpretation or just skepticism of what we were seeing on screen literal mm-hmm. is they really tried to do some wordplay with the suicide note because, it, you know, I, I believe the text of it was like there is nothing. Nothing is after you turn, you know, but it's like, OK, are we did he mean literally nothing or is nothing kind of like the term used for this entity of death because death is nothing of the end of your life you know it's kind of a play on words which is which is why i feel like a movie like this did it feels like it purposely did so much of that kind of stuff to kind of plant seeds of doubt either way to kind Mm. of like make it to where you could interpret uh both i mean with the note
1: again it's felt it felt fairly cut and dry to me the husband i mean he even says nothing twice in the movie Uh, In the movie, excuse me, in the note. I I think the exact words of the note is, uh, Beth, you were right. Um, There is nothing after you. Uh, Hopefully you're safe now. Something along those lines. So, um, I don't know. I I just... The clues that I'm looking at, you know, just kind of veer me one way, and it seems like the clues you're seeing are veering you another. Um, But, hey, that's the great thing about these films. They're subjective, and we get to talk about them, whether we loved them or not.
2: Well, yeah, and I also don't think that both interpretations are mutually exclusive. I think you can still still have literal entity messing with her and all this, and still just through the character of Beth herself, you know, the trauma – And depression of her husband's suicide is just adding fuel to everything Mm -hmm. going on it's casting self-doubt it's casting people around her to almost be a standoffish you're not standoffish but just kind of like we need to help her move on and well
1: treating her with kid gloves you know everybody's treating her so tender because she just lost her husband you know which isn't the wrong thing to do but you know, obviously to the person in question, it probably gets a little insufferable after a while. You know, like I'm not a fucking child, I'm still an adult. Yes, I lost my husband, but I'll get through it. Um mm-hmm. yeah, I've seen that mentality too. But yeah. Yeah. Like I, I said, I, I, also... I don't disagree with anything you said today. Ultimately everything that all three of us came up with are just as valid as the other. Um, you know, without actually interviewing the director. You know, we may never know, you know, if the nothing actually existed or if that was in Beth's head, but yeah, it's fun to talk about, regardless.
2: Yeah, I do wish, and maybe there was like something on the cutting room floor just for time and pacing. But I do wish we got a more definitive kind of purpose behind the husband's suicide. Was it simply because mm-hmm. yeah, you're right. he, he was he was driven to suicide because he he felt like I can no longer murder. You know, I, I I'm killing too many women. I can't keep doing this for the rest of my life. So he was driven, ins- not insane, but almost mad to where like, he's like, this is the only way I can stop my cycle of murdering people. Or
0: It's also a very selfish I-
1: decision too, because he was yeah. talking about how the thing was always talking to him. Anytime that there was a quiet moment in the house, you know, we only got to see one scene, but he does mention how, you know, the, the entity was persistent in trying to get him to kill his wife. So maybe it wasn't necessarily even protecting his wife that got him to commit suicide. Maybe it was just a selfish decision where he just didn't want to have to deal with his voice anymore, you know. (laughs) Or maybe he thought he was great. other
2: Well, that was my other thing because, like, you know, we we got to see a little bit of like the the occult books or the Mm -hmm. you know whatever they were. Like, even if it would just flash somewhere else, we're like, oh, if the spirit is attached to you doing this to your life, you know, maybe he thought that, like, if this if this death or nothing thing is attached to me, then if, if I commit suicide without it being able to attach to someone else, then I would think that would give some type of protection. Um Because if because if not, then it's like, uh, do you want to give your wife a little bit more of a heads up about what exactly. might be coming
1: after <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, hey, you know, ultimately suicide is always a decision of the self. They, the, the the person in question rarely thinks about everyone around them when making that decision. So, you know, I, I, I don't want to sound like a psychologist by any stretch, but, you know, uh, for the most part, it always feels like it's a personal decision. It's them. I, you know, I can't take it anymore. I don't want to live in this world anymore. Things like that. It's rare that someone kills themselves because of another person and not to say that it doesn't happen.
2: True. Yeah. And, and ultimately, yeah, I I feel like the, the movie, whether, whether listeners or, you know, people who watch the movie, whether you go one direction or not, I think for me, the reason why there's a strength to the movie is because it can kind of almost be both at the same time and it doesn't hurt.
1: Absolutely.
2: Um, I, I kind of like that. It kind of plays both, you know. I, I you know, I, I actually, all things considered, I lean more towards there actually being a literal entity. I was more just, you know, bringing up the other stuff just because of the way I thought in certain parts. It tried to play ambiguously, but mm-hmm. I, I just think there's too much stuff that happens in the third act to say that it's, you know, just simply in our head.
1: Yes. But, uh,
2: so just to get that all on the table after everything (laughs) i've set up to this
1: point uh so listeners have we thoroughly confused you yet about the Nighthouse on whether you should go see it or not (laughs) yeah it sounds like mike recommends it like i said i still give it a mild recommend if you're into supernatural horror um you know character well uh character study is probably not the right this is not a character study not bad um but you know, like I said, it's a pretty movie to look at. And if you can see it in the theater, there's some beautiful cinematography to enjoy on the big screen. Um,
0: and yeah, like I, I
1: said, Rebecca Hall's performance is great. Regardless of how I feel about the character of Beth, Rebecca Hall's performance was really, really wonderful.
2: Yeah, I think her range of emotions and the the way I it comes off very realistic with what she's gone through and the way she kind of interacts with her friends you, you know the part where or the not the part the scene where her coworkers talk her into like going out yeah. and you could tell she kind of doesn't want to be there and then they start broaching subjects that aren't necessarily comfortable but, but she's
1: so open like she, that was a weird that whole scene it was odd wasn't she's it
2: so open but it's almost like in an aggressive way like okay fuckers yeah. you want to you want to talk about this well i'm going to make it uncomfortable for you because i'm the one that's been uncomfortable yes. trying to like not talk about it so you, you're <laughs> gonna you're gonna <laughs> act like it's a mistake even asking me this exactly. stuff like to me I that's was- that acting in that is just incredible
1: Oh, absolutely. No, no. Yeah, I'm not taking anything away from that. But it's funny, too, because during that scene, after she pulled out the suicide note with her husband's blood still on it, mind you, at the bar, she reads it to her friends. I was half expecting her to pull out crime scene photos like, look, you want to see my dead husband? Here you go. Like she was. She was like so aggressive about it when one of them just made a comment because ultimately – You know, asking someone, did they leave a suicide note, isn't that out of the ordinary. I mean, when someone commits suicide, I would imagine more than half the time they leave something to let people know why. So, you know, I didn't think it was that outside of, I don't know, friendly conversation for her friend to ask that. Because it's not like she asked what the note said. She just said, did he leave a note? And that's when the Beth just got all aggressive and pulled the note out and starts reading it. And it was only four lines of text. It wasn't much of a suicide note. So much it was just the husband basically agreeing with her and saying, "Yeah, uh, there is something after you, and I did everything I could. Sorry."
2: <laughs> yep. Um, I I think we pretty much covered it. Uh, yep. Unless Don, you wanted to throw in any final thoughts.
0: Um, I mean, you guys were going on recommendations. I would say more if you're into psychological stuff rather than supernatural. I think that's more where it's trying to go. But, yeah, Uh, I don't have much else to say on this one that you guys haven't already discussed, so.
2: All right. Well, with that said, that's going to wrap up our discussion on the Nighthouse and this episode. Uh, Venom, what do you have out for people to listen to, if anything?
1: All right. Um... Let's see. um, Obviously, no new episode of the main show yet. We will probably get together probably first week of September to go ahead and look at my next picks, which are films from the year I was born. We're going to be looking at uh, Herschel Gordon Lewis's uh, Wizard of Gore, and we will also be looking at the Dunwich Horror, both released the year of my birth so and one of them is actually going to be a first time watch for me too so i'm kind of excited so uh that'll be like i said we'll be recording that first week of september and hopefully we'll be out shortly after that um on it's not horror okay this past week we recorded and released our commentary for the absolute comedy unintentional comedy classic miami connection um just last week, I was telling you guys how uh, the commentary we did for Best in Show is probably one of the most fun times I had. Yeah, uh, Miami Connection trumps that fivefold. This was an absolute fun, fun show. And if anyone's interested in hearing Mr. Venom sing the hits of Dragon Sound, you got to tune in. Yes, I, I sing Friends. And uh, what was the other song? Against the Ninja. Oh, my sweet Jesus. Because, yes. I do own those songs, and I know them well. So <laughs> good times, my friends. Uh, that episode is out on the Dark Discussions Podcast Network, so check that out. And uh, the only other thing is I did a guest spot on the return of Kill the Cast with Jerry Herring, where we talk about uh, five um, underappreciated movies that are currently available on streaming. Um, so check that out. That, that one currently is available. You could find that on the Legion Podcast Network. And that's it for me, Mike.
2: All right, Don. what do you got?
1: Uh, not much. Uh,
0: this is pretty much it. Oh <laughs> be
1: enthusiastic uh, about it at least.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm uh, just
0: upset that I don't have anything else to share. That's the thing.
2: all right, uh as far as I go, yeah, this is pretty much it for me too. Um, should be getting back to the other shows In a couple weeks Probably September will open things up It's just been mad busy uh-huh. With uh, life Kids getting back to school Kind of readjusting my schedule Back to the way Somewhat it used to be Before uh, all the pandemic stuff going Even though we're technically not out of it Yet But uh, all that And then preparing for you know, Summer series roundtables Rewatches But uh, that prep will be done in another week. So I'm thinking September other shows or, you know, other shows that we do will start to get regularly scheduled again. Um, And then as far as our next episode, pretty much set in stone, it's going to be Candyman. I mean, unless all theaters shut down before (laughs) the week, which I don't foresee happening. Um, Yeah. Candyman. It's it's one of the ones we've been looking forward to for a long yeah. time.
1: I am very <laughs> excited about this one. Obviously, aside from Jordan Peele, um, the cast looks great. Um, I accidentally saw the trailer because it played before. What movie was it? It wasn't oh, yeah. one that I watched this weekend. It was the one I watched last weekend. Oh, don't uh, breathe! Don't breathe too. Yeah, I, 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 I forgot to bring I, my think... Apple i my my Apple AirPods with me. I almost always bring my AirPods to just listen to like you know, Fear Factory or whatever the most aggressive music I have on my iPhone is. Uh, but I forgot my my AirPods, so I ended up seeing uh, that trailer. The Lamb trailer also looked really cool, too. But mm-hmm. that's a discussion for another show. Um, but, yeah, I am very excited for Candyman. It looks really cool. I'm very happy with the guy that they cast as Candyman. He, he looks like he's going to be... Um, like he looks very normal at first, and then it looks like once he goes kind of supernatural, it, 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 he looks like, that smile that he has. He has that big toothy grin. So I'm, I'm very excited. Obviously, uh, you know, a uh, uh, great director in Nia Costa. Obviously, Jordan Peel's pedigree is, you know, uh, very popular. So we already know what's going on. I'm excited for this one. I'm trying to curb my enthusiasm a little bit because, again, I don't want to get disappointed like I did this week with the Nighthouse, but I am still very excited for this one.
2: Yeah, that, that trailer's been I, I swear for like the last month or two worth of movies. That's it always been one of them like playing I've been up here. For
1: like two months now.
2: <laughs> yeah, and I mean trailers can always be deceiving, but it, well, one I'll say at least it's been the same trailer. Like they didn't release like some new super duper trailer that I accidentally saw, and then two. You know, judging on the trailer alone, I won't overanalyze or talk about any specific scenes, but I do like what the trailer is suggesting they're doing with this movie as far as how the story relates to the existing uh, property, um, where it's almost kind of like a hybrid sequel, almost handing over to like a new generation, but not 100% remaking it where it's like, you know, just washing off. (laughs) everything that's come before it Um, and i don't want to get in more detail yeah
1: (laughs) (laughs) it's evil dead 2 part remake part sequel
2: (laughs) yeah exactly like it's acknowledging candy man's a pre-existing um and thing that's already out there but it's saying like okay but now we're gonna take over the reins of it which is i think it's a cool way to do it and hopefully they pull it off because yeah what i've seen and heard so far good but you know uh, yeah, i don't run. have a, i don't have a ton to go by but
1: uh the first know. screener i believe was two uh what two or three weeks ago and it has been getting positive reviews yeah so
2: we'll see Ooh. all right well Good thing we had a positive ending to the show. So <laughs> thanks. <laughs> thanks, everyone, for listening. Game. Thank you, Jordan. Yeah. <laughs> we will catch you in a week with our Candyman episode of Fresh Cuts. Until then, thanks, everyone, for listening. Say bye to the listeners.
1: Later. Adios, folks.
2: Peace.